my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. He turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. I'm saying that you cannot say that numbers collected at the employer's place of business reflect simply the employer's policies. Those, no those numbers reflect underlying conditions in the whole society, just as numbers collected at a hospital do not show you that people are sick because they're in the hospital. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're tuning into The Unveiled Patriot with yours truly, Travis Masterbone. And this is episode 29, titled Sam Harris and Echo Chambers, Part 1. Quote, The only valid censorship of ideas is the right of the people not to listen. And quote Thomas Smothers. The right of the people to choose not to listen would be a little bit better. But here we go again. Here I am again. But this time, instead of being temporary, I am permanently banned from YouTube. And I just wanted to quickly vent today about what occurred exactly and the process on how they decided to ban me and their appeal process as well. Um, wanted to vent a little bit and give you the lowdown on how that all went down. Um, I am back and trying to keep the train rolling. They are not stopping me. I am on all other platforms, Rumble, Spotify, Apple, uh, Anchor, Stitcher, and Amazon. So please still listen and subscribe, por favor. Um, F YouTube is the motto. I really just don't like them. So that obviously applies graciously to Google. Um, but this also reaches out and extends to Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, which I'm also banned, and Twitter, which will be a big topic today when we start diagnosing our Sam Harris interview. A lot of interesting stuff. Um, so what happened to me? Um, initially, when I made these videos and came on to YouTube, they just pulled the videos down. Medical misinformation was the reason. My Lord Fauci, COVID, uh, mask episodes. Oddly enough, not my nurse ones, but for sure the Fauci, COVID, mask episodes where I'm just ranting solo. They just pulled them down for no reason. But then as we moved forward, they came up with their three-strike policy. And I didn't know they could really reach back in time or maybe... I dodged a bullet on my other episodes, but they sure did when it came to certain rules that they had in place now. So if you get one strike, you get a temporary ban for two weeks. Uh, if you get a second strike, I believe within that time frame of being banned, you get an additional three weeks. So there was a long period where I was absent. And same thing, one was for medical misinformation. The other one was right around the time Dinesh D'Souza's documentary 2000 Mules came out and they tweaked that algorithm and reached back in time to my election 2020 episode. So that kind of ticked me off a bit. And then the third strike came not too long after I was out of jail <laughs> and 
This one, it was a very specific episode that I had with Randy Miller, where we predominantly discussed the Constitution, immigration, and there was maybe five, ten minutes tops where he was talking about lawsuits that he was a part of against hospitals on how they treated COVID patients. That's all I remember, per se, from that video that could have possibly been weighed for the medical misinformation, my third strike. And after your third strike, you are done permanently. This pissed me off temporarily. I'm okay now. But overall, what did they do after? There's an appeal process. I sent the appeal on each of the strike counts to try and counter it, challenge it. And I was curious on what they would do about it. And they didn't do anything that I would expect them to do. I expected them to give me direct quotes, direct time frames, specific things I said. So that way, if they want to keep me as a customer on YouTube or a user on YouTube, um, I could avoid making my terrible, drastic, dangerous mistake again. I want to correct my medical misinformation and my misinformation. But they couldn't do that. And you know what? They won't do that. Right? Why would they? And so they just basically responded and said, tough crap, kick rocks, we don't agree with your appeal. They can't directly quote my violations because this would make them vulnerable. It is a lot on how the left has been operating lately. To be challenged, they can't risk that. Because if they did quote something important, I could then challenge it back and go, Reiterate, oh, okay, you meant this and that, right? Did I say two scoops of ice cream, but it was actually three? You know, let me know. But no, if they open up that Pandora's box, I can then dispute it, use my sources, my my research, and then they would be in a tough pickle. Instead, it's censorship. Silencio. Everything you say is nonsense. We're going to shut you down. And the quote I read is so important because it really does apply tenfold here. Just like television. If you don't like what you're watching or hearing, change the fucking channel. People have that option and that choice. And it just baffles me because we have flat earthers and we've had conspiracy theorists for as long as I can remember. As long as I can remember. And if people are out there preaching about purple elephants flying in the sky and it's all just ridiculous and just pure lunacy. In my opinion, when I see that, I say, all right, whatever. I don't I don't really give a shit. It doesn't matter. If people are even saying evil stuff, I say, okay, at least now I know who the group is and what their beliefs and ideologies are. And so, again, the people that are following me, very few to say the least. I had about 2,000 views in total and about 83 subscribers, all just from YouTube. I worked hard for my subscribers. And so... Is that enough people? And do I have enough influence to be that much of a danger to a society where I just completely get obliterated from your channel, from my channel, from your YouTube? I mean, this is just kind of crazy to me. The problem with censorship and why I am so strongly against it, and a big reason why I'm on the right, just like I said in my free speech episode about Elon Musk, um is for those reasons I just listed right there. Censorship. 
It doesn't allow for any dialogue. You get to see what people are saying, analyze, uh, see and listen to what people are saying and how they're saying it, analyze what you believe in. And the dialogue and discourse is the most important. And when we get into this interview today with Sam Harris, I get to show you direct examples and get to explain how this does directly affect our society and the people as a whole. If my small audience wants to listen to me, most likely they're going to start listening to me on Spotify or Apple or Rumble now or Truth Social. You know, and the people that are listening, they're probably already in line with my views. They probably had similar positions, maybe not all of them, but similar positions on what I said about the election in that episode or what I said about COVID, Fauci, and the vaccines. There's a good chance. So with YouTube, you know, this extends out once again the TikTok, which I'm also banned, and Facebook, Instagram, and their fact checkers. You know, this just exposes them and these private companies and how much they are ideologically driven. And I believe this is dangerous. If you disagree with me, please hit me up. I'll bring you on and we can discuss it in depth because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of things I say today and in my second episode about this that will piss you off. And what really does get under my skin as I close out my venting here, um, you know, ask yourself this question. When throughout history... Has it been the good guys doing all the censorship? And it's also quite ironic that now their policies have loosened up. They're not emailing me back and saying, hey, you could come back on. We made a mistake or now it's OK. You can talk about vaccines and masks because now things have changed. You crazy conspiracy theorists. Six months later. Now my things that I was talking about prior, they're acceptable. And I think this is bogus. I can't reiterate enough that whether it's politicians literally in Congress, local or pundits, podcasters, we see more examples of the left doing the censoring and conservatives such as myself, whether I'm a low-level influencer versus actually top uh, influencers that I follow as well who have some type of conservative view, you know, they're the ones that get censored. The right isn't doing it. And so let's segue here. Sam Harris, I believe this is one of his worst interviews. I think it's appalling. It was actually way too much for me to write down and give my opinion on like almost every single sentence that this man spouts out, I had to shoot back and criticize. And I would love for an opportunity to speak with Sam Harris in my lifetime. I have a lot of questions to ask. He's not being clear. So if there is a copycat out there or someone who really does believe in everything that Sam Harris says in this interview with Trigonometry, that is the name of the Two gentlemen, I believe they're from the UK. That's the name of their podcast. I encourage you to watch it and tell me if I do a proper diagnosis. So first off, I do like Sam Harris. He has moved back. He has moved back quite significantly on my list of favorite influencers and people to listen to. But I must be clear and honest. There are things I like about him. I think he is somewhat of a precise speaker. 
I used to always think that. Now I kind of feel he's just an expert bullshitter. But he is good at speaking. He speaks before uh, he speaks before audiences, and he goes and does live debates on stage with people such as Ben Shapiro, which I recommend, with Jordan Peterson. Uh, a lot of debates about God and religion. He's an atheist, but. You know, he he's someone I aspire to in the realm of writing books and giving presentations. He has a great meditation app. Um, he's big in spirituality and psychedelics, which I resonate with as well. And the app overall, his voice and the way he delivers it and the entire thing is really enjoyable. I recommend it. We agree on stances such as our views on radical Islam, right? I also agree with him on his views on wokeism and white privilege and cancel culture we align greatly there and we also oddly enough agree which he uh, sprinkles in a little bit on this interview we agree on how the media and the narrative of exaggerating donald trump as being a white supremacist and a full-blown fucking racist we agree on that although he says quote he has no doubt that trump is a racist in private but he actually points out that he sees the deception. And I'm assuming he's referring to like the both sides debacle. Um, Mexicans are racist. Banning travel from China. Making them xenophobic. Luckily, he's sharp enough between the ears to see the deception and the manipulation on those fronts. But what I'm going to discuss today is, once again, the orange man bad Trump derangement syndrome. Nobody is innocent or safe. Even intellectuals such as Sam Harris can become a victim of what I like to describe as the orange man bad cult. And so he can at least see the exaggerations of Trump where we find ourselves in agreement, but he will not let go of all the other deceptions that I believe he's being deceived. And so we're going to break this down today in the interview. There is a lot of things I want to unpack and I had a feeling he was a little bit narrow on the political spectrum when it comes to his knowledge. I got a glimpse of that from his debate with Ben Shapiro. Um, you can take a listen to that. Unfortunately, there's no video. It's just an audio. But look up Sam Harris versus Ben Shapiro debate. It is quite fascinating and interesting to listen to. But I just had a hunch. And this interview to me really unveiled my theory as correct. And I wanted to really peck this apart and I just didn't have enough time to do it in one episode. This will be considered a long episode on my end. I'll probably reach 40 to 45 minutes. That's just a guess. And then I'll probably do a second one because there's just so much that I want to get into. And so I wanted to expand specifically on the censorship issue, specifically when Trump got banned from Twitter. And as I said before in my free speech episode, it's and just a second ago, the, the left applauds and encourages it much more than the right. The right, whether it's politicians actually in Congress or just in general the voter base, they denounce it. They want more free speech. And in this scenario with Trump and Twitter, Sam Harris falls into the camp nice and comfy of the left side of the spectrum when it comes to this issue. And he also falls into the left when it comes to the Hunter Biden laptop, which I hope to extrapolate on 
in my next episode. A lot of really disturbing things that are said by Mr. Sam Harris. And so I wanted to highlight important quotes from the interview and break them down. And so let's kick it off. His first quote that really strikes my attention that I'll be referring to throughout the episodes. Quote, Sam Harris. Twitter is a psychological experiment, which we still don't know the future results of it. I can't break my connection to it. I follow people who curate an information diet I still appreciate. End quote. So keep these two quotes in mind, or this full quote in mind, because I think this is at the root of it all. How are we getting our information? And if we are utilizing platforms such as Twitter or Google even, uh, I encourage you to watch the documentary, The Social Dilemma. You know, how are we escaping echo chambers? And as I said before and earlier, no one's innocent. You can be a victim of an echo chamber. And I wonder if Sam Harris might be just that. And so as we move forward here, we have to realize he is an atheist, but also we have to realize he doesn't believe in free will. And his argument for free will and its importance that everyone kind of hops on board with this argument of free will is that he believes it's important for the concepts of compassion and just accepting others because he is acknowledging that we can't control our own thoughts. The thoughts just kind of pop up in our head and we act it out. And so he wants to leverage it so that people do not demonize or look down upon certain groups. Instead, take a step back and understand that they are not the authors of their own thoughts and behaviors. And to an extent, I agree with him on this. And I value compassion, I value discourse, and he claims he does, but this interview proves contrary, unfortunately, because he doesn't apply this compassion specifically with Donald Trump and his voter base and, of course, Alex Jones. He lacks the ability to do so. And there's a lot of contradiction throughout, which is why I think I've backseated him so far on my people that I like to listen to in regards to influencers and intellectuals. So with the Trump Twitter ban, let's get into it. Sam's two reasons for supporting the Trump ban. The first one is Twitter is a private company. They can do whatever the hell they want, Travis. And then number two is Twitter should ban Trump for the sake of humanity. In a nutshell, even if they didn't, Sam Harris still believes they should have. And we're going to get into both of that. We need to highlight that I'm semi-quoting, summarizing here what he described in regards to his reasoning to supporting the Trump ban. He understands that the people who disagree with the Trump ban, such as myself, are predominantly predominantly libertarian, pseudo-libertarian They want minimal state intervention, yes, and we understand that the proliferation of laws can make our lives more difficult than need need be. Um, Sam Harris also mentions that he has an underpinning of libertarianism within his politics. Peaceful, honest people should be left alone, and if the private sector does it better, then let it happen. 
no government needed. Yes, sir, I agree. It's also important to know he says he's always voted Democrat before this woke apocalypse, which is very, very recent. I'd say at the tail end of Obama was the birth of this kind of wokeism that really hit its peak and took off. Um, so it's important to note he considers himself somewhat libertarian. He thinks if the private sector does it better, they should do it. He doesn't like the proliferation of laws. He agrees on all these stances, but he hasn't gotten a clear answer from these people that oppose the Trump ban on why we aren't for it. And shout out to these moderators. They do push him quite a bit in this interview. And so I just don't buy the contradiction there. If you really are libertarian in the way that he's describing it with all the stuff I just rattled off quoting him, it doesn't really make sense because Democrats are the exact opposite. They just completely implement as much government as possible, more programs, more programs, less liberty, etc. And he is clearly against the woke apocalypse. And so how does this transition? How does this play into his stance with Twitter and Trump? And so he says he hasn't gotten a clear answer from those who oppose it. I just would ask him if he was sitting right here, has he ever sat down or did he reach out to anybody that do oppose it, such as like Ben Shapiro or maybe even Joe Rogan, who's not full right, or any libertarian, Republican, or God forbid, an actual Trumplican, did you ever reach out and try to get a precise answer? My theory is no. No, no, no. And then he goes on to put in this argument about the private company. Twitter is a private company. They can do whatever they want. But in the same breath, he still says, I am more extreme than most people on the left in this day and age. You should be able to exclude any group of people that you want. You don't like it. Boycott. I wouldn't have said this in 1964. End quote. I'm not entirely sure where his stance really is because something tells me if it was 1964, <laughs> he's just imagining that in that time he'd be the good guy. We have to remember that he is very narcissistic and it really shows in this interview because it's always him and his thinking that is good, correct, and right. He can't be deceived. In 1964, I don't think I would say the same thing. I don't think I would, but I'm saying it now. Because you can just boycott, leave Twitter, start Rumble, start Truth Social, and this is how the free market's going to play out. Which he's right. That is exactly what's happening. But the real question is, is it right or is it wrong? Because once upon a time, there was Jim Crow laws. It was totally legal and within the rights of companies to segregate blacks, which is why he said he wouldn't have said that in 1964. So it's not a matter of what scope the private company can do it. I think there's limitations. And it's more so like, is it right or is it wrong? And what is the precedent? You know, you were happy because you got your way. Trump banned. Thumbs up. Nothing else I can. I don't really have much to say about it. Private companies can do whatever they want. But if it was someone that you respected, if Obama got banned and the right was turning the dials on Twitter something tells me his gears would switch up real quick 
And so I think at its root that the ban was wrong. Censorship is wrong. And I know that he is in full support of this because he said he should Jack Dorsey should have banned him months ago prior to that. So with his private company argument, I'm just not in alignment with it whatsoever. I think there is limitations. But we need to consider also the ramifications down the road. Obviously, the precedent, like what will future companies and future political parties do to leverage censorship with this new digital public square, which is what it is. And we see the ramifications of it with the Hunter Biden story, because as much as people don't want to have that conversation, that indeed impacted the way people would have voted for their elected officials and they're going to implement laws and basically dictate and run the government, this impacts our lives. So this free willy-nilly for the private companies, when it's all in your favor, I think needs to be regulated to an extent. Just like with free speech, you can't yell fire in a theater. So even though we have the most free speech in the world here in America, there still is some things that will say, okay, a little tweak here and there. Okay? So as I said a moment ago, we, we are boycotting. I'm on Rumble and Truth. And so what does this create? The echo chambers. It's very important that we think about this. So now we boycott and do the free market capitalism bullcrap that Sam Harris is preluding to, trying to resonate to libertarians that oppose his view and disagree with him. I would say the other ramification is now Rumble, True Social, they're just going to be conspiracy theory platforms and Twitter is the reality. But the real, real reality is it's more conservatives who've been censored are going away from Twitter free market and now twitter has exposed itself to a left-leaning favoritism platform now we have two groups completely just funneling their own silos of information remember their curated information diet that sam harris still appreciates so another big reason why i'm against the trump ban we have now created less discourse more division but it wasn't via trump tweets because he got banned but you still did something twitter still did something that the majority of the left and neutral island i don't want to slick uh, pick aside people um they all agreed with because they're a part of this orange man bad cult by all orange necessary not seeing the future issues down the road and the division it really occurs but you see, with Sam Harris, he thinks, for his second reason, even if there was no rules that he violated, even if Twitter didn't do it, he felt they should have done it for the sake of humanity, that second reason. Because later he compares Trump to an asteroid. We have to do whatever it takes to stop the asteroid from hitting Earth. But we have to consider, Mr. Harris, if he was sitting right here, I'd be like, how do you know for sure that that is a real asteroid coming towards Earth? It's all dependent on where we're getting our information from. And that's why I named this Echo Chambers, because towards the end of this and the end of my next episode, I'm going to give you some tactics and strategies that I've found very useful in doing my best to escape these Echo Chambers. And I wonder if Sam Harris does the same. Something tells me that he doesn't. And so the other final piece of this private company argument that we should definitely all be on board, it is a nonpartisan issue. We should not have private companies 
colluding and behaving as the political arms of a certain party, whether it's yours or it's the opposing side or fucking independence. It doesn't matter. They do not and should not collude. And this is where I found my stance on the vaccine mandates. This is borderline fascism. Real fascism, not Joe Biden, semi-fascist, MAGA Republicans bullcrap, but pushing ideology through the private sector to the employees, through the board, through the executive, all through and advertising, especially through this public square, and then suppressing political opposition within the company, within the company, right? Because, you know, basically they were going to fire me if I didn't get the mandate. And it was political, whether people want to believe it or not. It's very interesting stuff, but we should all be on greed, uh, be on board without this collusion between the private sector and the government. We know this was an ideological move. We know that this is predominantly a left-wing organization now, Twitter, favoritism, and they're behaving as the political arm of the Democrat Party and for Joe Biden. And we saw that with the Hunter Biden story. I think that was the real cherry on top. And Facebook is right in line with that. Even though Zuckerberg said on Joe Rogan, oh, the FBI gave us uh, a warning about Russian misinformation. And we didn't suppress it as much as Twitter. And then Joe Joe Rogan asked, well, how much did you suppress it? Oh, I don't have the numbers right there. I, I don't really have the numbers. Yeah, sure. Real fucking convenient. This is only our election. Democratically electing that democracy that is always screeching from the left that is screeching from sam harris in this interview but it's not our democracy it's our democracy not you scums right because sam harris looks at trump and also synonymously alex jones he he sees no difference between the two and it is much more important to ban these individuals because his ideology and beliefs aren't the ones being censored. A lot of people don't see it. People don't believe it when I say it. They probably scoff like, oh, what an idiot. No wonder you're banned. The sheep don't recognize that they're sheep because they're inside of the fence. It's when you get booted outside of the fence that you really start to see things a bit differently. Conservatives aren't the ones doing the censoring. So is it a public square or is it not? That is a question I want you to ask yourself pause this and ask we all freely can get on these platforms no cost we can say whatever we want and we're going to react to how people tweet it just is what it is so that to me makes it a digital public square maybe it should be a bipartisan you know common ground meeting about how to deal with these companies and if there isn't enough proof that the political ideology was alive and well with the government and the private company of Twitter, you know, what was the big fuss from the left when Elon Musk was going to buy Twitter? What was the big deal? Were you afraid that Twitter was going to be operated by some right-wing nut Elon Musk and ban Obama and start censoring the left and, oh, now our democracy at stake, when in actual reality all Musk said was that he just wants a free, open platform. The left doesn't want that. They don't want that. And that's a red flag to me. The overall, So overall, in summary, I feel it's just kind of stupid and hypocritical. We're not thinking of the negative long-term ramifications. 
And if you can't see that politics was heavily involved in this entire scenario and and how the government and the political party or the Democrats played a role in this, I mean, I just think you're out of the loop, in my opinion. I don't know everything, but I feel pretty strongly about this. And I've done a lot of research and reading. And I encourage you once again, listen to this interview and you tell me if Sam Harris is thinking with a real sharp um a real sharp and clear lens here or is it being blocked by orange man bad shades welded to his cranium the more direct example will be the hunter biden story in my next episode other things that i noticed here is that you know in his mind alex jones and trump they violated the twitter terms it's unfortunate because Sam Harris doesn't even know the exact Twitter terms that were violated. And regardless, if there wasn't terms, he felt that they should have been there should have been terms in place anyway to ban these guys for the sake of humanity. It's the amount of details that this man does not provide. He's one of those people that sees the book cover, can just skim through the book, and he knows the book better than anyone else. And when you push on him, like these moderators do, you come to find he doesn't like providing the details because if you provide details, you put yourself more into a corner. And he can't do that. He's, he's, he did it a couple times in this interview. But if you're really clever at bullshitting, you try to be as vague as possible and watch how you speak. As I said earlier, he's very precise. And now I see why. It's very interesting. But I want to know, you know, what are the exact rules that Trump and Alex Jones broke? What exactly did these two individuals do and the more details you provide the better because sam goes on to say quote you shouldn't knowingly turn your mob on a private citizen and ruin their lives which is what jones and trump were doing end quote what's funny is i saw a lot of mob behavior. But what's interesting is I saw it from the left, the left wing mob. Where was Sam Harris when Trump decided to run as president and they were slandering him left and right, ruining his life? What about Alex Jones? People talked about him all the time and slandered him on Twitter. What about his life? You see, Sam Harris has you know, values and beliefs, I hope. But they seem to be very selective, right? I would love to hear his examples of when exactly Alex Jones and Trump deliberately, very interesting word there, deliberately organized and guided their mobs to ruin private citizens' lives. Is this physically or is this in the Twitter sphere? And deliberately, remember, he doesn't believe in free will. He believes thoughts float from the ethos, jump into our skull, we're meat puppets, and they can't control their behavior. So I think he needs to pick a new word besides deliberately. And I don't think he really knows. Has he ever met Trump, any of his family members, anyone he's worked with within the government? Has he ever met or reached out to Alex Jones? Absolutely not. You see, these people are scum, and he does not look at them as private citizens. Again, it's very selective, extremely selective on his beliefs and values. And we see that throughout the interview. And again, I would just love specific examples. If he was here, 
when did they do specifically these incitements or organizing of their mobs? Who was their mob specifically? And whose lives did they ruin? Who specifically? Right? Are we talking Rosie O'Donnell? Because she was clapping shots back at Trump as well. It's the way he talks. He's from New York. This stuff makes Sam Harris uncomfortable. Pseudo-intellectual. Unfortunately, as he said earlier, Twitter is a psychological experiment. People are going to react accordingly. You can't control it. That's how it works. Just like how people were justifying a lot of the damage from the BLM riots. Well, that wasn't all the peaceful protests. It was just a minority amount of people. It's true, but the damage was still being done throughout the entire year. Right? Did you control them? I think it's hard to control people. Even on January 6th, it's a minute, it's a small segment of people that were acting like idiots, which all Republicans denounced and pundits denounced. We didn't grab our pom-poms on January 6th and people just ignorantly, oh, are you, are you rushing the Capitol? Oh, look at, your, look at your person you voted for now. People just want to see the failure on the side that they're opposed to, their ideology. And we have to just keep in mind that people are going to react accordingly. And again, people can just hop on free willy-nilly on these platforms. So this is why I consider it the digital public square. And so again, we see Sam Harris kind of putting himself on a pedestal, especially to Trump, Alex Jones, and the voters. And I bring up tribalism here because, you know, Trump and Alex Jones to him aren't private citizens and he mentioned 1964 like he would probably have different thinking back then but I really wonder would he because if back in 1964 there was a bunch of people who were orange man bad cult people tribalism anything Trump says or does bad in 1964 well I tell you what I have a tough time believing that um, Sam Harris wouldn't be on the side shouting, send him to the guillotine, hang him, hang him. It's very possible, very possible. And so big shout out to the moderator. His name's Constantine Kissin, I believe. And he basically puts Sam in his place or just basically states, you know, you're conflating Alex Jones and Trump. They are not the same. He's absolutely fucking right. Sam Harris disputes it back and says they basically are the same. And he says specifically, without Alex Jones, there's no Trump. He'll contradict himself later in the interview. Who is responsible? What is responsible for Trump? As of now, in this point of time in the interview, nice and early, he says Alex Jones is the reason Trump exists. They are the same because of the level of misinformation, disinformation. This is a quote. The conscious fraudulence of everything at scale and the targeting of individuals, Trump, every time singling out a, sing a single citizen, we know that person's life is never the same again. End quote. <laughs> Come on now, Sam. Of course, he doesn't have direct examples of Alex Jones and Trump and their specific misinformation and disinformation, much like how I said earlier with my scenario. 
YouTube, if I am saying such blatant misinformation and disinformation, put me in my place. Quote me, time frame, anything. And that is a shout out to you too. What exactly is misinformation and disinformation? Listen to my show. Come on my show. We can talk about it. And Sam Harris doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to talk about it with Alex Jones and Trump. So he claims that he's a believer in discourse and dialogue. But at the same time, I do not see how this quote that I just read you supports that in any way, shape or form. And there he goes again. Conscious fraud. Just like that word deliberately. Yikes. Again, use your free will theory or your non-free will theory. If it's such a foolproof, irrefutable theory and the masses needs to learn about it, then be a shining beacon and example of accepting and being compassionate towards people who cannot control their thoughts or behaviors, let alone the people that are the mob. So I'm going to give a little leeway, and hopefully he has some altruism within these statements here, but I'm going to close out this last little tidbit, because this is my favorite quote, or one of my favorites in the interview. There's just way too many, I promise. Go listen yourself. Just true gems. But this is where I get a little offended. A little offended. He basically says, quote, He has turned tens of millions of morons, vicious morons, against this one person. Human sacrifice. And so, (laughs) again, I just laugh. So I'm a vicious moron. A lot of people are vicious morons because they voted for Trump and they just go attack this citizen, this boogeyman. What citizen? Which one? Point them out. Tell me who. And so now we are vicious morons. Tens of millions. That's a lot of people, Sam. That's a lot of conflation, which I'll get into in my next episode talking about QAnon, but this is what he does. And whose lives are ruined again? Who's the person, who's the sacrificial human? There's no details. Very broad strokes and generalizations. And he can't do it. He won't do it. Because then the debate and dialogue can truly surface. A vicious moron. That's who I am. And later on, he calls me something even worse. And so I think what we got here is just a few examples from this interview where someone so smart can never be lured into a cult is showing some odd symptoms of the contrary. And I think echo chambers is something we can really extrapolate on because he did say he has a Twitter curated information diet. So maybe, just maybe, his information diet has some type of influence on his perception of Trump, Alex Jones, any right-wing individual that might have voted for Trump, and tens of millions of vicious morons. And so I'm going to end briefly with just a little bit of ways that I try my best to escape echo chambers. We obviously know about algorithms here, but watch that documentary once again, The Social Dilemma. It's really mind-blowing and it's real. I'm going to give you some names that I follow that are on the left. Highly recommend diving into. Noam Chomsky, Chomsky, uh, Saul Alinsky, Robert Reich, The Young Turks. There's people within there you can follow individually. The H3 Podcasts with Hassan Piker. 
You got these YouTubers, Vosh and Destiny. You can follow Roland Martin, Trevor Noah, Bill Maher, Russell Brand, which is kind of leaning a bit more right nowadays, I guess. Um, You know, read articles from the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC. If you cannot see that these are left-wing outlets by now, I really encourage you to do a little bit more homework. And then Vox, V-O-X, that's also uh, a left-wing organization that you can watch a lot of YouTube videos on and just see what their point of view is. If you're left-wing or somewhere in the middle, there's a lot of great right-wing conservatives that you can follow that I enjoy. Uh, Ben Shapiro, if you want to get some books from Thomas Sowell and Milton Freeman and geek out about the economics of free markets, which is predominantly right-wing philosophy. Um, Michael Knowles, Matt Walsh, like all the Daily Wire stuff, you know, go and listen. And then also don't be afraid to go listen to Alex Jones. Just see what the hell he's saying. Is everything absolute lunacy? Have you ever even opened up a show about him? Or are you just taking it all from a third party? And that's why I follow all these left-wing individuals and outlets. I want to make sure that I'm not being curated, right? Being curated by right-wing networks. It's not just all Fox News that I'm regurgitating right now. So my tip is purposely follow people you disagree with, even if it makes your ears bleed. Watch shows you disagree with. And then one of the best things that I've done that has really, really hammered out how I stand on certain contemporary issues is the importance of debates. If you didn't know by now, I love discourse and dialogue. Um, You can Google Politicon, see plenty of left versus right debates right out there in the open. Go look up capitalism versus socialism debates or communism philosophical debates, God versus atheists, you know, religious debates, and specific contemporary issues. Go watch gun debates. My breakdown of Coleon Noir and Rosenthal uh, on guns. You know, you could even watch abortion debates, which is something I'm still exploring, and immigration. You know, there's tons of things where you can really just see both sides of the, of the table bringing it all out. And it helps you formulate exactly uh, where you stand on these issues. And if someone says something that is a fact you've never heard before, that can influence on where you sway. And this plays a huge role in how you vote. And so we need to be careful with platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, even Google. Like get DuckDuckGo as well, right? Different search engines. And just do your best to not be just absolutely siloed and curated, which I would be really happy to see Sam Harris if I ever met him in his life. life. Uh, I would love to see his feed. What exactly is being pumped into his brain to the point where he can be so delusional, in my opinion, about Trump and all that good stuff? Not completely, though, because he saw the manipulation with the exaggeration of white supremacy and racism and stuff so there's some sharpness there there's some hope but man those orange man bad shades get those surgically removed and i think this applies tenfold with the majority of the left and the never trumpers so i'm gonna end it there i will give you part two as soon as possible uh again please like, share, subscribe, all that shit. 
and thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening and watching The Unveiled Patriot with yours truly, Travis Masterbone, and I look forward to you tuning in next time. Farewell. <music>